last night, sometime in the night, I don't know when it was, but uh, I didn't look at the clock to see, I was awakened, and this hit me, and it was just like something hit my heart and said, speak on who is this Jesus? Do you believe that? And I said to the Lord, well, yeah. I said, well, that's a good, that's a good thing to do. And uh, I had been working on something for several days along that line. In fact, I had it typed up, who is this Jesus? I already had it. And then he gets up this morning and preaches it. <laughs> and I said, well, Lord, are you trying to tell us something? I don't know what. So... Uh, if I cover something that was covered this morning, just forgive me. Brother Bays didn't hear it, so uh, you didn't hear it either, Susie. Okay. But, you know, this is, this is kind of strange, and it's almost eerie, I don't know. But anyway, let's talk about it a little bit more, just if you will, please, with me, and bear with me for a few minutes. Who is this Jesus that we serve? Who is he? We got it pretty straight this morning. Everything he said, I agree with him. Um, I'm glad he said some things that I, you know, I, I felt and, and some people, you know, don't. But let me start tonight, if, if you'll pray for me for a few moments, let me start tonight by reading some scripture. And uh, these are selected scriptures that I had uh, written down. One of them is 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And this is Paul talking about Jesus. Now remember, he's talking about Jesus. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Is that plain enough? And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In Hebrews, the first chapter, in the eighth verse, God the Father said, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The Father is calling the Son God. You will never get it straightened out, and you did a good job of trying, but you still haven't got it all the way through here yet, and I don't think you ever will get it explained how three people can be one and one can be three, and that's one of the mysteries that we don't have to because Solomon said, after we'd done all we could to find out the workings of God under the sun, we could not. There's no way that we can find out everything that God has planned for us. We use the word God, and we can take it three different ways if we want to, because it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And they're all three one. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was a, a, a group of three that did this. And I like to think when I read what Paul said that by Jesus, by him were all things created, I like to think that here's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost there, and maybe 
God the Father saying to the Son, hey, you can build anything you want to. I'm going to be the architect. And you can build it like you want to. And, and I, I just, you know, kind of look at it sometimes that way. And that's only Wayne's version. I didn't get that out of the Bible, so don't you go tell anybody I said that. But the three of them together created everything. But Jesus, it seems like here, is the main builder in all of this. Because this is his church. Now, Jesus would originate from the tribe of Judah. And I wish we had time to maybe just have a Bible lesson on the genealogy of Christ and what was really all involved in that. It goes a lot further than what you, you read sometimes in the Scripture. But in see the five, seven, 734 B.C., the northern tribe of Israel, I wish Willie Hatcher was here, and, and, another, and another group, we're going to take over Judah. They were going to destroy Judah. And Isaiah, and, and, and of course, the, the leader of Judah at the time was very worried. Ahab was worried, afraid they were going to destroy him and all of his tribe. But Isaiah began to prophesy and talk to him and said, No, 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 you're going to exist. God is going to take care of this in so many words, and the tribe of Judah will exist. It had to exist. Because in Genesis 49 and 10, he said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah till Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Shiloh is Jesus. Shiloh is Jesus. And he would come from the tribe of Judah, and the ruling would come out of that tribe, so that tribe could not be destroyed. And Judah was one of the most conniving, wickedest rascals that ever walked on the earth. He even had sex with a with a, well, who's in here? I better not see that word. Had a, with, with, with what he thought was a prostitute, and it was his daughter-in-law. And had children by that, twins by that, and one of them is in the genealogy of Jesus. Said so Jesus came from, oh, well, I'll tell you right now, that church down there, it's got hypocrites in it, and it's got all these. Let me tell you what. They're in the whole lineage of Jesus all the way back. And yes, we used to be adulterers, we used to be liars, we used to steal, we used to commit, we used to do all these kind of things, but we have been saved by the grace of God and by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we no longer walk that way because we have found the Lord and He found us. What a Savior we're serving tonight. Our battles, our battles and roadblocks are many in the church tonight, but we have a leader that's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. Let me just run through something right quick. Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. He is here. He's been from the beginning, and he's still here tonight. He's not changed at all. Now, the mindset of most religious groups is that God, and then when they use the word God, they're leaving Jesus out of it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? They just mention God, but they don't include Jesus in that Godhead, or neither the Holy Ghost. So God created, but... In his creation and in everything since the creation, 
the one, this man that we call Jesus has been involved in it. If you go all the way back to the three Hebrew children, you know that story. I mean, Lord have mercy, I don't have to preach that tonight. He was in, he was in the fire with them. He just didn't get to it this morning. He was in the fire with them. He said, all right, if I tag you a little bit, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. And, and God knows I did not plan this. I did not plan this. But let me get here. But the three Hebrew children, you know, the old king even looked in. How did he know what the Son of God looked like? How did he know? He said the form of the fourth that's in there is like the Son of God. How did he know who the Son of God was? The devil knows who God is. The devil knows who Jesus is. The devil knows it before we do. He knows all about it, and he knows, he knows how to do it tonight. And he said, you know, he's like the Son of God. Well, here goes old Jacob going to Esau to make peace. Lays down one night to sleep. Well, somebody gets a hold of him that night, and he wrestles all night long, and he didn't wrestle with an angel. Read the book. Read the book. He wrestled with a man, the Bible said, that night. This man had the authority and the power to change his name, to tell him what was going to happen to him, to do everything for him, and only one person that had ever been on this earth, that that was Jesus Christ, the God, part of the Godhead. He was down here that night wrestling with Jacob. It was Jesus. It was Jesus he wrestled with, I fully believe. You know, we can, we can look at all these things tonight and we can say, well, you know, that was before Bethlehem. I know it was before Bethlehem. Bethlehem is just a stop on the way. This man that we call Jesus tonight has been there from the very beginning. He is here tonight and he will be here tomorrow and he'll be here through all eternity. He will not leave us nor forsake us. We are serving a God tonight that knows what he's doing. God the Son tonight is with us. This is him. For the first time, for the first time in history, Jesus Christ really came to this earth as a man like us. He became the Son of Man. Huh? You say he's the Son of God. He called himself the Son of Man. While he was on this earth, he was the Son of Man. He was... Tried and tested like as we are. You say, I get tired. He got tired. Bible says he did. He got aggravated. Bible says he did. He whooped them up, as the old fellow said, and ran them out of the temple for making it a den of thieves. Brother Jeff, he, he kind of got violent there. He even believes in capital Well, they're going to hang so-and-so, or they're going to crucify him, or they're going to kill him, or they're going to put him in an electric chair. You know, you can't do that. Jesus said if they offend one of the least of his little ones, it's better that a millstone be hanged around their neck and they be drowned in the midst of the sea. That's about as close to capital punishment as you can get. You think it is? I think it is too. So he is, he is like as we are, yet without sin yet without sin, tried in all points like as we. And I, and I like to think what a wonderful Savior that
that we're serving tonight, what a wonderful God we're serving, because he's one that knows everything about us before it ever happens. And as he, as he was on this earth in those periods of time, there were so many things that he showed himself, and I don't think, I don't think we really know all that he really does all the time. Has he, ever, has he ever protected you or done something? And I know you say, well, that's a guardian angel that's doing that. Well, he sends God, his angels, I believe, to watch over us. I had something happen to me not too long ago. I didn't even tell Arlene. If any of you go tell Arlene, I'm going to <laughs> drive you out of the temple. But, but I was working in my tra- on my tractor shed. It, it's a little downhill, and the tractor was parked up here, and I was behind the tractor getting ready to hook up a trailer to it. And for some strange reason, the brakes gave way on the tractor, and I had the emergency brake on. For some reason, it, it came loose, and I was as close to the tractor as from me to Randy. It was right here, and it started rolling to me, and I had nowhere really to go. I was pinned in. And it got right to me, right against me, and stopped on a slope. To this day, I think it was somebody else that stopped the tractor. There's other things. I think somebody stopped somebody to help your son-in-law. That wasn't a coincidence. We, we put a lot of things on and said, well, that's just a coincidence. That just happened. No, 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 no. There's some things happen because of him. Providence is God. Providence is God. And he knows what he's doing, and he's not going to leave us and let us be totally destroyed. He was there from the beginning. I believe he knew every battle and every conflict we would encounter. He showed himself to all of these people. When Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled, he began a process that we are involved in. You see, God the, God the Father and God the Son being two different people but one person, they would not institute something called marriage without them being a part of it. Anybody in here married that wish you hadn't, then you better not raise your hand. Is anybody, is anybody in here married that's so glad you did marry and you'd do it all over again? Do it all over again. Thank you. God married, and oh, we've talked about this so many times. God married Israel. He tells us in Jeremiah's writing. I am married to Israel. He uh, more or less, if you read the scripture close, he kind of kicked her out, divorced or whatever, but then took her back. It is Israel is his bride. The tribe of Israel wanted to destroy the tribes of Judah when they were split. But God had another plan, and God would not allow his wife. <laughs> to get involved in this thing and destroy Judah because out of that he was going to get a bride for his son out of Judah. Are you with me? So he gets, he gets Judah saved. Israel were the ones that were defeated in that battle. 
when we begin to think about the greatness of God, and he's going to have a bride that is without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. I kind of cringe when I hear sometimes, and I've heard some of our people preach and say that we will never be perfect on this earth. Don't give me that. The Bible says he's coming after a bride, a wife that has made herself ready. She's going to be spotless, pure, a perfect bride. No, you're probably not going to have everything like you think it's perfect, but he knows when we are perfect. We might have someone in here tonight that in the eyes of God is perfect. Now come on. You might as well loosen up with me just a minute. We might as well have it. Just because you got a Dodge and that fellow back yonder has got an old Ford don't mean that that keeps y'all from being in unity with him. I know it did, and I'm going to tag it. I'm going to tag it. It's about time you got the message. And if we have to do it again next week, we can do it again next week. But it's time for you to get it and get it right. Brother Bob, sorry about this. We're having this discussion in here. We, we, are going to, we are going to be perfected. And I'm, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm going to ask you this tonight. You know, we keep on saying, well, one of these days we're going to be to the point that we can lay our hands on the sick and they will recover. One of these days, you know, we're going to have enough of the Lord that he's going to just fill us up with it and people are going to come in and they're going to feel him in our midst and know that he's there. Well, my question is tonight, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Why couldn't it happen in our generation right now instead of trying to put it off and wait for some other generation to come along after us? I want to be a part of it. I don't know about you tonight. You might say, well, you old man, you're going to be gone after a while. I might be. But uh, Brother Steve, I still want to see the power of this man, Jesus, falling in our midst every time we come together. And I want to see people healed. I want to see people saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, shouting the aisles for Jesus Christ himself because he is everything to us tonight. He's all that we need and he's all that we have. We need, we need some way, somehow tonight to be able to fulfill the scriptures and get ourselves in a place and a point that God can use us more and more every day. I was talking this morning, we were talking in Sunday school this morning about things that are happening in, in uh, you know, me being the age I am, I've seen a lot of things that you guys haven't seen. And if anybody in here admits to seeing what some of these things I've talked about, you're going back quite a, quite a ways. But growing up in the church, and I know you grew up in West Virginia uh, in the church over there, and we was talking to Brother Willie, he did too. And I told him in Sunday school, I said, you know, years ago, years ago we had our state conventions. Still do every other year. We had state conventions, had them down here at the campground. We've had them at Glenville High School, at, at um, uh, E.C. Glass High School, different places in the state we've had conventions. But we had conventions, and on the last day of the convention, 
The overseer would appoint pastors. And you say, well, totally off the track tonight. I'll get back on it. I just went around the curve here. The overseer would appoint pastors. Not a single pastor that was in that congregation, out of approximately a hundred of them, knew where they were going to be appointed to pastor the next year. They weren't told. They would call their name out, and I never knew, never knew a single one of them to say, I'm not going. I never knew a single one of them to say, how much does that church pay? I never knew one of them to go to the overseer and say, I can't move. I've got a big garden this year. My kids are going to school. They've already enrolled in this. They're in that. We can't move. We can't go. I never saw that. I never heard that. And this went on for years. But I can tell you what I did see. I saw crutches nailed on the wall. I saw wheelchairs carried out of the church by the person that rode them in. I saw gorders as big as softballs disappear at the, at, right it, during a prayer. I was in one of those prayers one day praying for, for a lady, and she had a big gorder on her neck, and we laid hands on her, and it went down to complete normal. Nothing, nothing ever bothered I saw all these things happen then because we were more interested in being obedient to the will of God than we were on how much we were going to make. And I'll go back again just a little bit here. Being overseer for two and a half years, I appointed 39 pastors in that period of time to different churches that had either resigned, retired, or wanted to change or something like that. But we changed the rules several years ago. We always told the pastors where they were going and had it worked out with them and the church. The churches always knew and the pastors knew. I don't believe in that other way of doing it too much. I think they need to know. I need to know. Not but one pastor besides this one sitting here, besides this one sitting here, not but one out of that whole bunch looked at me and said, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Doesn't matter what church it is. You send me and I will go. And this was a married man with a family. He didn't ask me because he already knew he was already here, so he didn't have to. Does this tell you anything? Just give you an insight on anything. We need to have our eyes on him more than what's going on down here. I, we've had pastors come to this church, didn't have anybody here hardly at all, my, my daddy and some others carried them groceries, kept them up until things would get better, and, and we kept them going. Nobody ever starved here. Nobody ever starved. I don't know of anybody's cat that ever starved. I've never seen any cat bones at the bottom of a tree anyway. If you're climbing a tree to get your cat out, you might as well forget it. He can get down. We kept people alive, but the power of God was real, and people began to see that, we heard down at that church so-and-so happened. Yeah, it happened. I got a call one day when I got in from church. That was why we was over here on this side. 
Got a call, said, I heard so-and-so got religion this morning. And this person was living in Winchester, Virginia, and had already heard that somebody that was 80 years old accepted God and prayed through on their knees on Easter Sunday morning. Let me tell you something, folks. If we will get Jesus back into everything, this man we call Jesus, if we could get him in everything that we do, we're going to see something happen. I believe that with all of my heart. I got to shut up, you know. Let me give you one other, one other thought I got. Then I've got a little something I just want to read right quick. There was a man named Moses. And I thought you was going to tear that enough this morning on me, but you got off of it before it was over with. Man named Moses. He was given commandments. But he went up on the mountain and he told God, and I believe that was God the Father he was talking to. Would you kind of go along with me on that? I think he's talking to God the Father. He said, show me your glory. <laughs> God said, you can't do that. I want to see you, God. No man can see me and live. I'm not going to do that. Moses was persistent. You reckon we ought to be more persistent sometimes? Moses was persistent. God finally said to him, and you can read the story. I haven't got time to go there. God finally said to him, there is a place beside me. Read it. There is a place beside me. I will put you in there in the cleft of the rock. And when I pass by, you can see my hinder parts. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Somebody wrote an old song that said, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Are you with me? Come on, Bob. Paul said to the Corinthian church, that rock in the wilderness was Christ. He didn't say it was God. He said it was Christ in that wilderness that the people drank from. Read it for yourself. He said it was him. And Jesus I fully believe was in that rock, in that cleft where God put Moses. And he put him in there and he walked by him and it made him glow so much that the people couldn't look upon him when he came down out of the mountain because he had so much of Christ in him. Do you reckon, do you reckon it would do us a little good tonight if we got in the cleft of the rock and got a little bit more of Jesus than we have ever had in our life and got back in there with him, we might see some things we have never seen before because Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you want to see God tonight, get a little touch of Jesus Christ in your life and you'll be able to see God Almighty because he is alive and well tonight. 
What a, oh, praise God to him. But what, what, what a glorious thought tonight. Rock of ages, cleft for me. And, and somebody had seen that, somebody saw that. But God knew what to do. And Jesus has been there all the time. What a Savior, what a man, what a God tonight that we're serving. Oh, I've got more, but oh, wisdom tells me to change gears here. David said, call on me, Christ talking or God talking here, whichever one was given in this. I believe the Holy Ghost was the one that gave these boys what to write, and he had heard it from the glory world because Jesus said, when he comes, he will speak of me. Am I right? Isn't that what he said? I don't even understand how great Jesus is tonight. You may, but I don't. I cannot understand how great he is. I can't understand how he does all the things that he does. I can't understand how he can hear our prayers. I had one lady one Sunday morning in the first old church building over in, and, and, and we started to pray in, in unison, everybody praying. She took off out the door. I mean, she was gone, I'm going to tell you. And some of her family stayed, and I said, what happened to so-and-so? That scared her to death when they all, all started praying at one time. So she left. I talked to her later. I found I got a hold of her and I talked to her. She said, I, I, I don't see. She said, said all, that, all that noise is God can't understand that. He can't hear that. I said, let me remind you of something. I said, how many churches do you think there is in the world on Sunday morning having church and people praying in all those churches? I said, do you reckon he's just hearing one of those churches and one person praying in there and that's the only one he hears this Sunday and next Sunday Danny will pray and next Sunday Brother Ken will pray and next Sunday somebody else will pray. She said, I ain't never thought about it that way. He can hear us all at one time. He knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. A lady by the name of Patricia Rayburn said these words, wrote this. Said, the doctor wasn't frowning despite talking to my husband about his recent cancer diagnosis. Smiling, she offered a suggestion. This, the doctor was a lady. She said, start each day by giving thanks for at least three things, the doctor said. Dan and her husband agreed, knowing that gratitude opens our hearts to find encouragement in God's goodness. Thus, Dan starts each day with the words of praise. Thank you, God, for a good night's sleep, for my clean bed, for sunshine, for breakfast on the table, for a smile on my lips. Each word is heartfelt, but could it sound trivial? Does our praise in life's small details matter to the Almighty God? In Psalms 50, David's chief musician, Asper, offered a clear answer. God has, quote, no need of a bull from your stall or of your goats from your pens. Instead of these once formal Israelite sacrifices of gratitude, God wants his people to give him our hearts and lives in gratitude. As my husband experienced wholehearted gratitude, helps our spirits flourish. Then when we call on the Lord in the day of trouble, he will deliver us. 
Does this mean Dan will be healed spiritually and physically during his two-year treatment? Or not until after his lifetime? We don't know. But for now, Dan delights in showing God he's grateful for his love and for who God is. He's our redeemer. He's our healer. He's our friend. And friends delight to hear those beautiful words. When I go to Jesus... I go to God the Father in Jesus' name. Pray in his name to God the Father, to Jesus. I try when I pray, and I'm not standing up here telling you how to do You do it your way. I'm just telling you about my way. I try to pray for everyone that needs prayer that I, that I can think of. But I ask the Lord to make me willing to accept the way he's going to answer it. I know several of you in here tonight, me included, have need of prayer in our families. But however the Lord wants to answer it, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I know you've been through a lot, and both of you have. I know Brother Bob, Sister Linda's gone through a lot. I know Sister D, so many, Brother Eddie, so many of you going through things. Your great-grandson and so forth. I know we're going through a lot tonight. This, this life is a battle. This life is short. It don't seem like it's been long since I was getting out of high school. And all the things that's happened, it seems like it's almost a blur. I have a time just putting together things and believing how fast time's gone. And I think, well, I think of Sister Iris' dad who was 105 years old. You see, he's lived a long time. But we're going to leave this place one of these days. A perfect church. A perfect church <coughs> for a perfect bridegroom. And we're going to leave. We're going to stay seven years gone. Earth's still going to be here. They can show all the films they want to on Armageddon on History Channel. They can come through all that stuff they want to. They're not going to destroy this earth with a bomb. They're not going to destroy it with a nuclear, nuclear weapons. It's going to stay here another seven years after we're gone. And we're going to come back for a thousand years after that. And we're going to rule and reign as kings and priests for 1,000 years on this earth. Willie Hatch has had his heart set on going to the Grand Canyon. I told him the other day, I said, Willie, one of these days you're going to be able to go there and sit on the bank of that thing for 1,000 years if you want to. You say you're crazy. You're out of your mind. Maybe I am. Just leave me this way. I'm having a good time. <laughs> Don't wake me up. Just let me keep dreaming because I'm going to have a good time. I don't care when I come back to this earth. I don't care what position. What I have, I don't care. doesn't matter. Because Jesus said, I'll be with you all the way, even to the end of the world. He's going to be there, and he's going to be there. 